So, Rogue Repo Amalgam number one is called Attractions. Oil spills inside a particle of rock in purple rejection. And text connectors juxtaposed with polarized terms on magnetic forces in two planes. The machine began to rotate slowly. She swallowed the paramagnetic contrast agent in one go, preparing her vessels to render themselves later. When the metallic taste faded, she could smell the ancient chestnut trees blossom nearby. Her crystal-studded belt was stored with a pyrosome pendant in a strong box outside the perimeter and the radio-pharmaceutical body paint shimmered, still wet. Across from her, the others followed and struck an A-pose. Judging by the roar of the crowd that was barely audible from inside, tonight they would finally make a living. Following their post-certification dreams, they ran their own techno-ecological show in excess of vision. The machine was salvaged and rigged together from a general electric discovery, MR750W, and a Philips Ingenia 3.0T. For effect, several pieces from a scanner built in the 70s by the Electric and Musical Industries conglomerate had been added. This aclinical setup had cost virtually a million, but when dismantled, the hardware fit on a standard trailer. And the open source software did not take up more than two solid state drives. The certificates doubled as a license for speculative imaging. And now their only worry was how to pay for the huge electricity bills. The math was breathtaking. Volumetric figures pulsated back and forth between two to three dimensions, transforming images into accidented surfaces and surfaces into ghosts. There were mountain areas divided by sharp ridges and watersheds, preventing the draining of the enclosed reservoirs. Methane leaked out of the old wells below and caused tiny explosions each time an image hit the surface. Calculating the distance between the edges of the catchment basements, the exponential boundaries between objects computed on the fly. Whirling polygonal meshes exploded into a cloud of voxels before resurfacing as new nauseating contours trapped in the vapors of the display. The continuing presence of the leftover remnant of the former plutonium plant included potentially anything that had escaped the nature refuge. When the shadow graph appeared, the crowd howled. Lamograms of differently dense matters rendered onto and through each other, projecting iteratively, reconstructed insides onto the outer surface area, collarbones entangled with vascular systems, colons encircled spinal cords, and a caudal fin, a pair of salivary glands vibrated with a purring larynx at a frequency of 25 to 105 
hurts. No geology is unblemished. No geology is disinterested. No geology is even-handed. No geology is fair-minded. No geology is inactive. No geology is indifferent. No geology is non-aligned. No geology is non-partisan. No geology is unbiased. No geology is uncommitted. Rock Repo, Amalgam Number 2, Real-Time Runtime, Apparatus of Extraction, Atomic Number 14, Silicon Authoring Rocks Authoring Silicon, Crystalline to Hypercomputation to Landfill, Blue-Gray Metallic Luster, Cooling Elements. Rock Repo is a device for thinking with rocks an inquiry into the damages of rocks that emerge in the very assumptions of what rock is, what it could be, and the ways in which rock is seen or considered as an entity separate from its environment. Thinking with Elizabeth Povinelli and splitting the fossil in the statement that clearly ex-humans are more important than why rocks, we hold on to her provocation and ask about inhuman materialities and how they matter in the world, how they matter the world. Recognizing that the geological is not not biological and that its renderings are unstable, the rock repo allows bio-geomythic imaginings, to quote Sylvia Winter, by exploring the softwares and hardwares that the inhuman intervenes on and also builds new vocabularies on the go. To start with, look back at the 19th century, the moment when the microscopic gaze and miniaturization practices were introduced within Western science and society. This marked the intervention and the invention of separation between the geos and the bios. During this period, the new access to the microscope outside the science lab and its availability to, to non-scientists generated a practice of looking at tiny things. So amateur uh, practitioners started, to looking, uh, started looking at, at, at the world through the microscope. As people learned to see themselves surrounded by the micro, this access to the world propelled the invention of classification and standards of taxonomic kingdom separations which silently informed and became embedded within organizations of life itself. It was also a historical period of immense information sharing via bioinformatics, which has many affinities with techno-scientific practices in the 21st century that define and accentuate with hypercomputation the separation of life and non-life, and also who gets to have a life. Hidden in plain sight, the timescale of the geo did not fit the taxonomic efforts of modern fixations. And as we learned with Elizabeth Povinelli and Catherine Yusuf, the very ontologies and politics embedded in the geos are those of liberal colonial exploitation of bodies and resources. 
Yusuf reminds us that no geology is neutral. The rock repo is a studying device into the moment in which the biopolitics and the necropolitics based on life and non-life urgently needs to be reformed. Working from the understanding of biology as a field of discourse beyond the, the living world itself, we want to active, actively engage with the space-time of continuities between the bios, geos, and mythos as apparatuses of knowledge production and world production that they convoke. At a macro scale, the geos calls for an attention to matter that is almost still, that inform about the latent damages on the planet. And perhaps also at a meso-scale, that of the, of the subjectivities emerging through mundane tools, technique, techniques at hand and at hand devices, the mythos needs to be unwritten and rewritten as species, racist and ableist uh, forces switch scales too smoothly, we convoke methods for a trans-feminist friction to fight what could be named kingdom dysphoria. So kingdom dysphoria is an invented transposition of the term gender dysphoria, which describes the distress and violence caused by binary sex assignment. And kingdom dysphoria would be the harm caused on all living and non-living entities as a result of the assignment of fixed categories, taxonomies and kingdoms. Kingdom dysphoria is yet another condition that calls for transfeminist studying and practice, for letting go of technoscientific binarisms and to problematize exteriorities that are provoked by the cuts of modern patriarchal colonial apparatuses. No geology is disengaged. No geology is dispassionate. No geology is easy. No geology is impersonal. No geology is inert. No geology is crimeless. No geology is spotless. No geology is nonchalant. No geology is non-participating. No geology is in the clear. This is Rogue Repo Amalgam number three, and it's called Geopoethics. Microscopic rainbows of an ordinary rock with non-stop rotation of colonially implicated crystals in the form of sugar, recipient, and citrine. And with a non-stop roll of synonyms of the world neutral cutting together geology apart. So we wanted to share some of our starting points um, and how we came together um, to think with the rock repo um, in a way of starting with damage um, and with the kind of intention of queering damage, um, how it might be generative um, for a conversation on the harms of geocomputation in particular. Um, and when we talk about geocomputation, we're referring to the hardware and software practices for figuring, modeling, automating, rendering, and extracting of, ge of the geological um, through and with, um, we're thinking about this through and with the project uh, Rock Repo. Um, and the Rock Repo is a project, um, as Margarita mentioned, by our Disobedient Action Research Group, um, the Underground Division, which is dug by us together with our companion Fel Femke Snelting. 
So the damages that emerge with geocomputation, and we've heard um, actually about many of them already today, include things like the mining of minerals, such as cobalt, for the use in computing practices, the rendering of undergrounds by depth and densities, so they might be parsed as a volume to be extracted, the optimization of undergrounds using machine learning, directly affecting the environment, both because of the energy use of those processes, but also the possibility and optimization of those volumes for extraction. Um, also, the, being of, uh, the, the way in which geocomputation is an accomplice in the practice of in industrial extraction. And so, for example, many of the open source softwares for figuring rocks in 3D emerge from collaborations between researchers in oceanography and geology and employees assigned to the projects by companies such as Shell, Chevron and Statoil. Um, or, uh, a, a further damage, the use of 3D modelling to exploit uh, which bodies might be the ones to work the underground. So as not easily fixed entities, rocks provoke a reconsidera reconsideration of categories, um, whether that's inert or not, discrete or not, timely or not. Um, and in the Rock Repro, we activate uh, an analytic, a methodology that we've been building um, named Queering Damage which is a set of operations to attend to the certain harms of geocomputation in relation to volumetrics, geocomputation, and the praxis of feeling backwards, to quote Heather Love. How then to engage with this process of damage and being damaged that we are experiencing, witnessing, feeling out, touching on in our practices, but also how might we be in conversation with others who are dealing with damage, injury, repair, restoration, composting, and speculating in ways that could hold the damage rather than try to smooth it out, remedy it, or hide it um, as part of a process of so-called collective reparation. So last summer, um, there was a kind of leap towards the potential of developing um, this analytics by turning damage into a queer methodology. And so we want to kind of um, share with you how we think about some of these terms. So damage. We would like to widen the notion of damage and identify its conditions and surroundings through examples, practices, things we come into contact with. And here we're really trying to start to think about a dam an ethics which is based on damage rather than based on an ethics starting with bodies. It does not have to be a damage experience personally. It can be observed damage, collective damage, bodily damage, community damage, environmental damage, personal damage, historical damage, public damage, fictitious damage, cultural damage, archive damage, structural damage, naturalized damage, computer damage, urban damage, transgenerational damage, geopolitical damage, and so on. And we are not just interested in how to look at these practices of damage, but we are very committed in, um, in looking at how we might collectively make practices that damage. Um, practices that can damage institutions, that can damage power structures, that can da damage fossil fuel economies. Um, basically working with the premise that we might have to un undo um, or, or take things apart on the way to repair. Um, but at the same time, really trying to hold, um, hold in that, that when you're 
living with damage, um, the prospect of um, undoing things on the way to repair might seem difficult or impossible. So reparation. We want to propose that perhaps we can have some partial hopes to repair some damages but not others, or to live with damage in ways that give comfort and care. The semiotic material lives to which damage happens are complex entanglements, and reparation here is not taken as a, as a developmentalist move or a kind of progressive move um, that might try to keep kind of complexity up and healthy and sharpened no matter what, but as a basic gesture of trying to organize a togetherness that counts. So to develop a querying methodology that might focus on how we generate data, knowledge, stories as part of a trans-feminist research practice. In other words, how can we, as Octavia Butler might say, uphold a politics of queer survival? So queering damage is the proposal of an analytic, a parapositive, post-normal move. If you search for analytics online, you come across thousands of corporate companies who offer analytical services. Services that draw conclusions through running algorithms over data sets. And we feel it's urgent to reclaim analytics in non-profit experiments, in processes that might give shape to other ways of understanding. We reclaim analytics as the practice of cutting complexity together apart. To take on both the injuries caused by analytics or bioinformatics, and how they are instrumentalized to provide situated temporary truths about lives, living, and the possible ways of living. And also to take on how we might together invent, generate, build an analytic for trans-feminist work that stays with damage. As Alexis Pauling Gums writes, we broke the earth, now we fall through time. So queering damage is an analytic to read right the complexity of damaged and damaging technosciences, such as geocomputation. It is a set of operations that can be practiced collectively to consider the agencies, labors, and harms of technoscience, to imagine life otherwise. Queering damage is an analytical praxis that functions both as a plastic but rigorous method for formulating partial reparations, whilst at the same time recognizing that most interventions or reparations might create a further set of damages, so a partial reparation or not. Instead of extending benevolent utopianism, this praxis extends queer theories that concern personal injury into more than human ensembles in order to consider the shared damages. It's designed to be carried in your pocket, holds a free art license, and exists to be used and resituated. No geology is uninvolved. No geology is virtuous. No geology is clean. No geology is clear. No geology is good. No geology is guiltless. No geology is safe. No geology is stainless. No geology is upright. No geology is untainted. Rock repo, um, this is rock repo, repo amalgam number four. Procedural world making. Mundo subterraneo, 
350 vertices to be grabbed. Two LIDAR caves scaled to be moused over, overlap on a flat land, volcanic rearrangings and mythic proportions. So the tools of geomodeling software uh, contribute to technocolonial subsurface exploration and extraction by enlisting, among other things, geophysics, stratigraphy, diagenesis, paleoclimatology, structural geology, and sedimentology, combined with computational techniques and paradigms for acquiring and rendering volumetric data. Following what can be called the industrial continuum of 3D, so the same, the same techniques, along which the same techniques and manners that power subsurface exploration are operationalized within other domains, such as, for example, biomedical imaging, entertainment industries like gaming or sports, architecture, and also border policing. In that sense, jumps in scale from individual somatic corporealities to the so-called body of the earth is this daily business for the industries of volumetrics. Um, these are the, the industries that deal with the, with the mathematics, the computation of the volume that bodies occupy in, in space. Orthodox modes of producing knowledge are ethically, ontologically, and epistemologically dependent on their path from and towards universalist enlightenment. The process is to answer questions, separate them from each other, and eventually fix the world, technically. To optimize the process of world making, basically. And this violent and homogenizing attitude stands in the way of a practice that, first of all, needs to attend to the rearticulation and relocation of what must be accounted for, perhaps just by proliferating issues, demands, requests, complaints, entanglements, and, of course, more questions. As Denise Ferrada da Silva notes, when non-locality guides our imaging of the universe, difference is not a manifestation of an unresolvable estrangement, but the expression of an elementary entanglement." End of quote. Take vocabularies as a vector, for example. The use of the term grabbing in the volumetric geocomputation software G-plates, so G-plates is a software for visualizing um, tectonic plates, uh, in which the semantic network is based on handling and, and grabbing as key gestures in relation to the body of, of the Earth. A loss of agency and an extractivist assumption slip in too smoothly and also too fast. Um, to report this kind of linguistic bugs, we are in need of research methods that involve direct action and also engaged affection into and by the objects of study. Also, the use of the verb to grab uh, brings with it the history and practice of land grabbing, land abuse and proprietary impositions of ownership and appropriation, which has been correlated both with dispossession by, by the taking of land and environmental damage. In other words, if orthodox research methods deal with hypotheses based on observations that are then articulated with the help of deduction and or induction, also in the field of geovolumetrics, we are in need of methods that affect and are affected by their very materialities, including their own semantics. In the turbo-capitalist momentum, are there other options besides a rapt deceleration and seamless acceleration? 
Is there a way of working without guarantees or attempting to resist the ever new repetitive uh, fantasies of technoscience? This ever new is what we call totalitarian innovation. So the hegemonic acceleration of contemporary technologies imposes a series of conditions that lead to the persistence of cultural forms of totalitarian innovation, which must be resisted and contested. Yet those same conditions also constitute a complex of latencies and absences with which we have to inventively coexist, driven by the need for attentive politicized presences. However, we are not calling for an anti-affirmative position, but instead, as Heather Love notes, queer practice exists in a state of tension with a related and contrary tendency, the need to resist damage and also to affirm queer existence. In a mode of queering damage as queer situating mode for analytics, we extend the possibility of intervention from body politics to geopolitics. Together with queer and anti-racist ethics, epistemologies and ontologies, by persistently making leaps in scales of time and space, and also by paying attention to the legacies of modern technosciences that are nested in each tool that facilitate or prevent some existences and not others. In our software critique, we place an emphasis on damages across the industrial continuum of volumetrics. This rock repository is a tentative mode of software critique that refuses to organize along the vectors of optimization, efficiency, or resilience, but proposes to grab back and repair some parts. In other words, the, the rock repo might be a method for pushing the limits of the probable, the, the modern probable, and expanding the spectrum of the possible, the wide arc of the possibly mundane. Discussing technological sovereignty and infrastructural self-defense initiatives are good places to start, for sure, but those gestures are certainly not enough. The first step is to methodologically identify and urgently publish the damages that coercive turbo-capitalism inflicts through the informatics of volumetrics and geocomputation. We need to join forces and write thick and dense repositories of these systems in order to understand their amalgamations and technically equip ourselves with partial and localized repair possibilities. While resisting the production of ever new, slim, and naive fixing fantasies, it is very ba basic. After all, we have always been geohackers. No geology is immaculate. No geology is pac pacifist. No geology is poker faced. No geology is relaxed. No, re no geology is unaligned. No geology is unconcerned. No geology is unprejudiced. No geology is honest. No geology is legitimate. No geology is pure. This is Rogue Repo Amalgam number five and it's called unthought infrastructure. Transtextual combinatory flow in opposite direction to the moves of a diamond. A piece of coal and assumed in azurite, all in top of a tiny loop of a reserved volcano eruption. Check the computed lighting, shining on the diamond stuff some are made of. We broke the earth, now we fall through time. Broken soil as a state of time, 
fallen time as a state of now, timely fall as a stage of we, grounded we as a state of earth. Or, we broke the earth, now we fall through time. Broken we as a state of time, fallen ground as a state of now, timely break as a stage of we, grounded times as a state of earth. But we broke the earth, now we fall through time, broken time as a state of we, fallen now as a state of soil, timely fall as a stage of earth, grounded we as a state of break. And we broke the earth, now we fall through time, broken fall as a state of now, fallen soil as a state of earth, timely time as a stage of time, broken ground as a state of ground. And this is uh, Rogue Repo Amalgam number six. It's called Litopologies. It's a formula to be kept close. Some scaled up and down rock formations on a deadly vehicle set on fire and a fossilized stellaria topping the shelves, all in smooth rotation. Certified, the night studies programmers lay as still as they could. With their hands flat on the damp soil, bodies of faint outline along the edge of the drill site. They prepared for the ninth day of computed tomography earth scan. At the night studies, they assumed they were now activists. She was still clutching an instruction leaflet that read, image wisely program, sign on in advance to an adventure that will leave none of the terms we normally use as they were. Under the dusk light, the recently rigged up solar panels shimmered against the device mirrors. Some of them were soldering connections over the soil with their portable irons, connecting the scanners across the Earth's surface to the supercomputer user. In the reflection of her screen, she could see the crowd, a tangle of wires trailing out to fault lines. And as they draped these wires over their bodies in preparation, a long, high-pitched drone started to sound, as if a balloon was letting out air. In the distance, the dogs started barking a scene of wilding activities. They had learned about the possibility of this during training. Earth bodies, no longer accepting of the role assigned to them, were beginning to emerge from the orbiting electrons. As they turned and rotated, an Earth body they listened into photons, bursting with innumerable imaginings of what might yet have been. She listened carefully, concentrating for rumors she had not heard before, densities she had not experienced, stories set into motion the moment they spill, addressing intensities. The devices had begun, infecting the entire structure as a whole, an electric field desiring a field born of charged yearnings, cell death, matter fossilization, rock reproduction, and so on. Thank you.
Oh, they changed it. Never mind. Thank you so much. Um, so I know that, um, yeah, all of you in the underground collective, like language is really important. Um, the words that we use, but also creating new words um, when there aren't the right words in a way, um, or the new kind of amalgamation needs to be formed. And I was curious about the word damages because that came up quite a lot. Um, and how did you, come to that word as the kind of, in a way it became like the central word or like a way kind of into this work. So I was just wondering about like the, um, the reason for choosing it. Yeah, uh, we've been, um, uh, I kind of guess working with this idea of queering damages um, for the past year. Um, and before that we were kind of reading um, and kind of informed by the types of queer theory for peop from people like Heather Love, um, which um, actually start to think about the ways in which um, uh, you know, queer theory has developed out of situations of damage and injury, um, yet those damages and injuries have also kind of provided a force for um, a, a type of um, otherwise. Um, and very much, if you think about how um, queers entered into research, it was often also like moments of measurement um, or, or, or actually seen as kind of damaging forces. So that kind of like the, the, the damaging force of, of queer life. Um, and, and this seemed a very, very useful way to start to think about, well, what would it mean? You know, many of these the theories were really about the kind of the queering or the, 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 the queering uh, damaging force that emerges from personal injury, right, of human, human bodies. Um, and we start to think, what would it mean to try to think with injury and harm and damage in this way, but in a, in a way in which kind of takes on the amalgam in a much more entangled way. So to start to try to think across from these theories that were dealing with injury um, and harm and damage into the kind of inhuman, non-human, more than human ensembles. Um, but very much, you know, thinking uh, that there is a kind of survival, right? There's these modes of queer survival that have happened again and again, um, whilst many worlds have continuously foreclosed. And there is also a force that emerges from not, not uh, wallpapering over damage. Yeah, well, I was just uh, thinking on, on how you started uh, the, the question, no? like on, on like putting the attention on language itself, and uh, just just to add maybe that the, the the use the persistent use of the notion of of damage, no, in in relation to a particular practices of knowledge production like that of, of geology you know, or, or that of uh, hypercomputation uh, is actually already a way of, of mattering no? and, and, and of whirling. No? It's, 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 a, it's a very specific technology that, that of language that actually affects uh, immediately you know, the, the world uh, somehow. That's true. And we don't think about it because it's so kind of habituated. Mm. And in a way you have to work harder to 
like when I read, yeah, there's actually like, I mean, of course, I'm sure a lot of people found like a lot of complexity in what you were talking about. And I think that there is like a lot of kind of working through these new terms and the relations with them that do take time. And yeah, I think that kind of work is also really important to change our relationship to language. So it doesn't just become like a given that we're born into this linguistic space. Also, uh, in relation to um, talking about technologies of language, <laughs> voice. Yeah, hello. Well, yeah. Well, no. I, I, yeah. I just wanted to to say something about the the um, notion of complexity. Now that we we've been speaking a lot about uh, and how how to deal with this com this complexity you know that somehow we we need to deal with and we need of course to do like temporal cuts to be able to to study with with a particular rigor no and to, and to and to go deep no in a in a in an amalgam no but also we don't want to become experts no and and we don't want to somehow align with a particular kind of methodology uh, or knowledge production Precisely because that that complexity is what we want. We don't want to let go of. No, it's 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 important to stay with that. And in the in the in the languaging, uh, there is also a lot of of transparency happening. No, like this like fluidity of certain discourses no? and certain uh, narrative uh, productions. And uh, yeah, this is this is something that we are interested on and using language uh, differently to actually uh, maintain complexity. It's super uh, common to receive um, uh, responses like, can you please explain this differently, better? <laughs> no, like, can it be simpler no? and more accessible? And of course, we understand the, the context no? and it also uh, depends on the operation and the particular uh, interlocution that we are looking for. But sometimes it's very important in this, in this kind of am amalgamations uh, to, to stay with complexity uh, for a while no? and not to, to go to a super fast uh, understanding kind of a, a connection to, to what we're dealing with. Yeah, and I guess it's also, I mean, we um, have been working together for the past week um, uh, Margarita's um, curatorial and artistic project at Tatem with Hackers and Designers, and um, you did kind of make that joke with us, right, that you're never sure whether we've been, is that a typo or is that an invention <laughs> in, a, in our text, um, which is a kind of a, a very okay. so charming thing, and it was a typo, <laughs> but actually it was a word in which I had to pass to Hara to check that it wasn't an invention. Um, <laughs> I think it was a kind of translation, um, the typo. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I think, yeah, it's this uh, kind of, I guess we also, you know, this like bringing things in to be stable enough for a moment to do some kind of temporary analysis, but then also trying to kind of acknowledge the instability in these things. So one of the things that is, um, I guess, a really frustrating thing for a lot of editors that we work with is the, refu like the refusal to just say the body. Right, so in uh, Possible Bodies, which is the project that um, Femke Snouting and um, Hara have been working on for many years now, you know, the, the idea that the body um, is just a kind of stable form is kind of at the, at the kind of heart of that inquiry, right? So that the body always needs to appear as the so-called body, right? And so that kind of uh, uh, axis of um, that there isn't a kind of stability to the, to the earth or there isn't a stability to the body, um, so I guess it's also kind of a cheeky practice of destabilizing. Yeah. 
Now, now we, we, we are going to start uh, to say the so-called rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we did actually have this joke about, like, well, you know, the rock. The rock is, like, maybe the most ontologically secure um, thing, right? You know, this idea, like, the, you know, that the, you could, like, pass, pass through a rock your whole life and it, it wouldn't seem to change. Or, you know, the idea, the metaphor of, like, solid as a rock, right? So what does it mean to kind of take up something which has this um, really um, kind of reputation of being so secure as a rock and try to kind of think of it as the so-called rock, which um, um, can be destabilized? Also, in, in relation to in, in relation to, to that temporality, we we are actually like very engaged in the in the ways of like like we are trying to understand ways of studying like that tension of of temporality between the that stony patience and and the the velocity and speed of turbo uh, uh, computation and hyper computation. No, like actually, it's a bit in in that crossing where we are trying to formulate some some questions and there is a, there there are lots of things that have to do with with time with with temporality you know and with actually uh, convoking different uh, understandings of of time and, and timing no that have to do with iteration repetition acceleration but also like different very different scales no time scales so that that is uh, just to say like a, somehow like a, a path a research path just want to see if there's any audience questions. Yes. Hello. Um, could you give some insight on the technical process of building the, these amalgamations? They're, they're web pages, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, what are the processes and tools that you've used to make them? Um, yeah, so they're, um, they're, they're running in the browser. Um, they're, they're, the, the, the rocks that you see, um, they're generated by a set of geometries, and this is also part of our investigation. So, you know, many of these 3D practices across the industrial continuum um, will kind of generate things with a set of geometries, a set of points in which then a flat texture, which is a separate file, gets overlaid in real time. So as they're kind of rotating in front of you, um, that there's a kind of camera view onto them, and it's only that view in which the rock is there, right? The rest of the geometry and the texture is not there. Um, and so as part of this, we've been looking um, particularly at um, a particular format, which is the GLTS format, which is a, a new standard for 3D models. And really, it's the standard which has allowed this very, very fast traffic between and across the industrial continuum. So it means that you can kind of move rocks and you can move um, lidars of caves, you can move um, uh, police cars um, to crush them um, across um, between industries. So, you know, what we're seeing in the research is you can, because of that format, um, the medical industry, the mining industry, um, and other, like, other types of industries can exchange that format very, very quickly, um, which is kind of actually a, a kind of um, a turbo charge at the moment to this, these types of practices and the things that they sediment, right? The ways in which they sediment um, bodies or rocks or so on. Um, but it's built in an open source library called 3JS. Um, it's anyone can uh, uh, use it, um, you know, learn to use it. And it is kind of underneath is a a structure called WebGL, which is a, um, a pretty established like, structure for generating web 3D graphics, which has previously been actually quite inaccessible because 
a WebGL file will have like 30,000 lines of code, but the, these kind of uh, 3JS or other types of libraries that can sit on top with these GLTS format, you know, might be like a, a kind of 30 line code piece. So it's a really, you know, for us, the software critique is not just at the level of the, the interface, but really kind of thinking through um, the, the moves that are happening in code. Um, and one of the things that is um, uh, also kind of interesting about these web pages is that they look like web pages, they're running in the browser, but they actually outsource all of the work onto the user machine. So it's a very, very different type of computing um, in which the energy, like the processing, the, the, the making of the rock is actually happening on your GPU. Um, and so it's a very, very optimized um, type of 3D computing. Yeah, also, just, just, just to add, uh, they are uh, produced with different, un under different paradigms of, of 3D. Like there is LiDAR, no? Le that, that, that cloud of, of, of points that you saw in the, in the yellow, greenish uh, cave, which is based on, sc on scanning no? and, and direction no? like of, of those points that give you an, uh, uh, an information about depth. Uh, and then there is also lots of, of models uh, that are, that are uh, produced under, under the paradigm of uh, mesh, like polygonal mesh, which is a very, very different paradigm. And then there is also the paradigm of texturing uh, on, on top. No? So that, that is somehow collapsed uh, in these rendering practices uh, at the end. No? But what's, what's underlying is like very different paradigms of, of, of volumetrics, which are at, at the same time informed by uh, legacies, no, like very old, like modern legacies, like for example perspective, no. So if if you look at, at this uh, software, like the um, 3D modeling, uh, you you can still see like the weight and the import, the cultural importance that um, that that perspective has, no. And there is like like very weird like uh, incorporate like uh, incorporations of hypercomputation, but still uh, staying with with perspective, no, like producing like different points of view, no, but never re rejecting the possibility of having a, a particular point of view, no, like there is like this, this interesting like uh, resurfacing of modern values in those, uh, in those tools uh, and, and techniques. I guess I was just going to say that for us, you know, in terms of the computational practices, it really is as a, a form of like software investigational critique. So, you know, it's not maybe about kind of um, uh, the kind of prowess of learning a, a 3D modeling program, but instead really trying to understand through using it the types of decisions and cuts that, that are being made. Thank you. Okay, so I tried to kind of collect time over the course of, but now I think we're like, over time, so maybe I think, uh, and it seems like people are kind of reaching the limit of their kind of mental space. So maybe we can like think afterwards together about these kind of continuities, ideas around extraction um, that have come up in the work, also agency, like the agency of the rock, the agency of the microorganism, and sort of what we embed into rocks, like in Daniel's uh, work, for example. Um, so we can kind of think together. I want to add that um, there's in the Sonic X magazine, which I think most people got, and they have a festival pass. Um, it's also for sale in the store. Uh, there are, there's the text from Daniel that he wrote, um, and there is the querying damages text and methodology with different kind of like actions that you can engage in um, yourself. So uh, please take a look at that. Um, 
And for those who are interested, as Helen said, um, the rock repo is now in kind of in a certain iteration um, at uh, Tatum and Enschede, so it's gonna be up for four months if you have time to go um, and see the installation. So uh, thank you, Helen, Hara, Daniel, Toril, and Marilyne. Thank you so much for all your time. And thank you for those of you who stayed with us and <laughs> stayed together this whole time. Um, thanks, and for those of you who are coming tomorrow, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Thanks, bye.